0: So we made BuyHeart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at BuyHeart.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events that will move markets and certainly cause comment. I'm Robert Miller. That means we'll be talking tips with Tempus, looking at the state of stock markets. We'll have a dash of retail, which actually leads neatly to the summer splash. Answer a couple of go questions. Away. Have you got a message Which for Which bit are you message? not understanding? Just hang on hang, on, hang on,
2: hang on. There's no need for go away. We're asking you this questions. Is, that's going to go in
1: the... Well, we'll explain what that's about later. I'm joined by Martin Waller, editor of The Tempest column, Philip Aldrich, our economics editor and columnist, and Tedra Hitwell, retail editor of The Times, and also our expert on mergers and acquisitions. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here Martin, let me start with you. Looking ahead now as people will be returning to their desks and possibly even looking at the state of their portfolios,
2: have they reason to be worried in the coming months? I think these are the weirdest markets I've known in about 40 years of uh, commenting on them, to be honest. Um, It's a very strange situation indeed. We have the FTSE testing 7,000, coming back again, testing 7,000, coming back again. It's hard to see what, logic. Lies behind this valuation of the market at the moment. Um, meanwhile, data in the last couple of days have shown that people have been, particularly um, regional investors, been pulling cash out of the market in large quantities um, over the last six weeks si- since the Brexit vote. Um, and it's not entirely clear why they're doing that or what they're doing. Um, I I see the market as being split into two, really, two different portions. There are some overpriced stocks which seem to be overpriced because of what's happened to the dollar against the pound. There are some stocks offering some extremely attractive dividend yields, um, and those are the ones i probably go for. You were talking here about yield. It's become, it seems to me,
1: an increasingly important part of the Tempest remit to try and winkle out those companies
2: where the yield is good, but presumably without too much risk. These markets for the last two or three years have been driven by yield, um, obviously for the reasons it's blankly obvious. If you can get nothing at all in the bank or putting it under a mattress, if you can get 6% from an infrastructure fund or from a fairly well financed corporate, um, there's not really much argument there really, is there? I'm not quite sure why you should even consider where else you put your money. The the important thing is to look at whether the yield is is sustainable. I mean, you can get 7-8% on BP Shell, for example, but you have to wonder how long it goes on for. I could draw you up a couple of um, dozen stocks probably that will yield you six percent plus and you're not going to lose your money that seems to me such a total no-brainer that it, it where else would you put would you want to invest I mean you were talking about certain sectors that have been affected more and others to
1: some of these these swings are there any sectors you think at the moment that you certainly wouldn't be putting
2: the wallet cash in I don't particularly care for oils oil exploration development and, and I, I either the the top end or the middle end of the market to be honest um, house builders I think are desperately under underpriced. I I think that the the, the sort of yield you're getting, if you're getting 6% on a company like Persimmon, which is stuffed full of cash uh, if you generally think people are going to stop buying houses then don't invest in that but I I don't see it happening. I just don't think, the sort of conversation is taking place at the moment, I don't think anyone says sitting in Manchester or Birmingham or Bristol or Leeds, you know, tell you what let's not get married, buy our own house and have kids because I worry about what happens in Brussels in three years time. That is not happening. People are still buying. People are queuing around the, around the block to buy new houses. The new housing market is very strong. It's being supported by low mortgage rates. It's being supported by help to buy. It's being supported by possible further um, stimulus in the autumn. Um, if you're getting a, a 6 7% yield on a housing stock, house building stock, I, I, I don't see what's wrong with that. There are lots of other areas, property, especially property in particular, where you're getting the same sort of yield, which is safe as houses, so to speak.
3: Philip,
1: can I bring you in here? Of course, we're talking about the state of the stock market, but presumably a lot of this is going to depend on the state of UK PLC or the the economy looking forward into the autumn, the Chancellor's, uh, his first uh, autumn statement. What do you expect? Are you
3: fearful about looking ahead?
1: Do you think we've had a, a good summer to date?
3: Yeah, the next big event will be the autumn statement, which there isn't a date for it yet. I don't think, but no, it's probably be in November. You know, they'll have updated growth forecasts, unemployment forecasts. They'll have updated house price uh, growth forecasts, etc. Um, so, so we'll have a you know a, a good uh, view of what the government or what the OBR at least uh, believes that the outlook for for the UK will be. But of course, the big the big issue, the big thing that everyone in the markets will be waiting for, is to is to find out uh, what the state of the public finances will be in, and whether you know our, our budget deficit is going to start skyrocketing, and whether the uh, whether the government is actually going to offset the uh, low growth dynamics since Brexit or lower growth dynamics since Brexit with some kind of stimulus package. So if they have if, if the public finances are not going to get out of control just through you know people more people being unemployed and so therefore drawing more on job seeker's allowance and less coming in through the tax revenue so you you will automatically have a higher budget deficit you'd have thought but so long as that higher budget deficit is not out of control you could actually see a little bit of extra borrowing uh, as the government has has sort of hinted at to uh, to finance infrastructure spending and um, or you know some kind of employment training schemes uh, to help long term productivity these kind of uh, actions that could Help drive a little bit of extra growth, and obviously, if we get if we get a bit of that, combined with all of the actions taken by the Bank of England, cutting in rates, QE, special corporate bond purchases, help for the banks, that kind of stuff, you know, the the um, the, the economy, sh- you know, is going to be a little slower than it would have been, but it it needn't be catastrophic at all. I mean, it needn't, we we needn't end up in any in a recession. We may skirt close to
2: one, but Martin, you're nodding your head in agreement. There but is that broadly how you see it panning out. Entirely right i always mistrustful of economists who say, well, we're going this way, we're going that way, because it's always on the one hand on the other. Pretty much every metric since Brexit vote has indicated we're not in that much trouble. At some stage, things will change. It will turn down, it will turn up, whatever. We don't know that. Um, but at the moment, there is no real sign that there should be a reason why the stock market should fall rapidly drastically over the next two or three months. That could change. I, I would always make one huge caveat. Um, firstly, what happened in, 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 uh, on June 23 was totally unprecedented and totally unexpected. So let's not make too many forecasts. Secondly, I think, when well, last I looked, it was August. It's a funny month. There's no one, ever, no one at the trading desk. No one's really in charge. Um, there's no direction in this market.
3: Yeah, September is always the month after the holidays where you actually see what the, what the state of the economy is. Or state of the markets really is and 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 the markets are kind of an anticipation of the economic outlook so uh, and also it's, it's kind of early days at, at the moment with regard to um, the economic data the official economic data uh, a lot of it is sentiment driven and the initial sentiment was you know wow we've just had something we didn't expect certainly down in the capital and uh, so the sentiment was quite severely down but the data hasn't followed through with that yet we could see, more negative data later on and actually a recovery in sentiment compared with the ridiculously low sentiment levels we had in the month after after Brexit. So, you know, w- 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 we'll have to see. It's not, it's, it's no, it's not going to be as pretty as it would have been, basically.
2: I'm always reminded that, of course, market collapses tend to happen in October. What, so, brace yourselves. Yeah. The, I mean, there's, the, there's the old joke about the man who fell past the 11th floor and he said, how's it going so far? And he says, as he, as he fell towards the ground, he said, how's it going? Okay, so far. Okay, so far. Well, Deirdre, let me bring you in here. We have seen, I
1: mean, it was referring there to the sort of the quietish month and and Martin indeed. But the fact is we've seen quite a bit of mergers and acquisitions. Do you think that at a time like this, there are, we've always been told, aren't there, companies with a lot of cash on their books? So it's actually quite a good time for some people to go shopping.
4: Absolutely. Um, It's actually been quite a surprisingly busy August, particularly in a post-Brexit environment, because we've had... Steinhoff deal with Poundland. We've had Elliott Advisors mischief making at SAB Miller, AB Inbev, also at Poundland. We've had the SoftBank Arm deal. We've had this weird kind of phony war between ITV and Entertainment One. So there's actually been quite a lot going on. Some of these, of course, would have some of these transactions would have begun before the Brexit vote, for example, the Steinhoff deal. But I on on the whole, M and A volumes are down in the year to date compared to last year. So it's definitely not a bumper M and A market. But it's it's what the bankers always say that, you know, if there's industrial logic for an M and A deal to happen, companies are always gonna consider it. But it certainly isn't a bumper MA market. I don't think we could characterize it like that. But there has been some activity.
3: Well there's two I mean there's two aspects to why M and A might be booking could be looking reasonably rosy, and obviously one of them is overseas investors taking advantage of the cheap pound. But also, there's uh, corporate uh, corporate bonds, so debt raising by uh, corporates on on the markets has has, has never been cheaper. You know, post Brexit, there was a slight risk premium added into the uh, corporate uh, bond prices, but. Um, that has been more than offset by the cut in rates, the the QE that was expected. There's uh, the so companies are now able to raise money more cheaply than they were before Brexit, astonishingly. And it, they are currently raising money quite a lot, and so, so they can use this for activity such as M&A activity if they if they want to do it. So you've got the cheap pound and you've got cheap debt. So you Want to do MA that, that that can help,
2: yes. You can borrow for nothing, you can buy any U- UK asset uh, for 10% less than you'd be paying two months ago. I mean, figure that one out. I thought the arm bid from SoftBank, arm holdings, the Cambridge based chip designer, was bid for by SoftBank of Japan shortly after Brexit. Was a very clear indication. We've since seen an extraordinary thing we've seen the a battle over a company called Premier Farnell, mm. a greatly unloved. Electronics distributor, deeply dull, um, checkered track record to say the least, and actually two overseas bidders have been fighting each other out to buy it post Brexit and given the low pound. I mean, go figure.
4: Of course, though, um, Arm have said that there and SoftBank that the deal wasn't driven by the lowest sterling because obviously the yen has strengthened at the same time. However, the the point still holds that it seems to be there's a lot of serendipity in terms of whether or not you want to do a big deal. Of course, financing was also quite cheap before Brexit, but obviously it is cheaper now. So it'll just be interesting to see if that spurs people on. I mean, certainly M&A bankers are saying there's a lot of interest from U.S. private equity because, of course, if you're a dollar buyer, this is the time that you might look to do that. But there's still also quite a lot of interest from Asian buyers. So I think we might see a short-term boost in m deals, but it'll be interesting to see in the longer term how the m and to- turtles hold up because, of course, none of us really know yet what form our Brexit is going to take and when we're going to trigger Article 50. So it'll be interesting to see if... We have the short-term kind of hiatus where lots of deals get done and then maybe a slowdown once people are aware of the longer term.
1: All right. Well, thanks for that. Just uh, sit tight. We're going to take a short break now, but when we return, we'll find out what Sir Philip Green's been up to this summer.
4: The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insights, and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit ReadyBusinessBritain.co. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
2: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number 1 finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number 1 financial destination, yahoofinance.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare.
1: So, oh, here we have a clip of Sir Philip when he encountered a Sky News team at the island, the Greek island of Ithaca. Sir Philip, people want to know why you're on holiday when they think that you're supposed to be sorting out the pension deficit. Will you go away?
2: Why won't you tell to Will people? Will you go away?
1: Deirdre, we had uh, Sir Philip Green there with the Sky News team, and we should point out that he and the Sky team shook hands off camera after this uh, somewhat altercation encounter the serious point though deirdre is the work and pensions committee of mps they looked into the collapse of bhs and obviously they're all coming back after their their own summer breaks presumably not on super yachts though the mps what's the next stage that people should be watching out for
4: well i think uh, what the mps on the work and pensions committee and particularly frank field who's the chair of that committee want to do is to not just only focus on BHS but look into the wider defined benefit pension schemes in the UK because of course what BHS has done apart from highlight the extreme wealth of Philip Green is also to highlight the fact that there are many pension schemes in the UK that have pretty enormous deficits, black holes which may never be properly funded. So I mean, Aegon, the pension specialist, has said that about 80% of the schemes to be calculated are underfunded, and they have said that many of them have little hope of the deficit ever being plugged. So this is a a huge, major issue for not only the government, but British business. In fact, I think Frank Field has been quoted as saying that this is potentially the biggest challenge that British business is facing. So what MPs want to do is they want to widen out the scope of the inquiry into BHS and to look at the wider pension schemes and in particular the the roles of the regulator because the one thing... We have definitely learned from this whole BHS saga is that the pensions regulator actually doesn't have very many powers. Um, and what powers they have, they haven't always been that keen to use them, particularly in terms of enforcement action. So I think they'll be looking at what will be done to give regulators more power to go after employees, employers sorry, who fail to meet their obligations to staff. I think they will be looking at should there be more intensive day-to-day supervision of funds, whether or not the regulator should have a veto over a, a takeover with a big pension deficit. I think that would go down like the proverbial bucket of sick in the city if that was brought in. And I think they're just having to look at the fact that they will have to potentially be some concessions for employers who are really stretched trying to fund some of these deficits and, and maybe many people in the private sector are going to have to accept that they might have to take a cut to their pensions at some point.
3: Serious blow to the economy here, Phil. Yeah, there's a massive issue with, with pensions because, as Deirdre said, that there, there's these huge deficits, these black holes that they face. Now, the hope among pension schemes is that interest rates one day will rise, and the you know, government bond prices on which the deficits are basically dependent. Um, as government uh, bond yields uh, rise, then the uh, deficit will shrink automatically. But the, the Bank of England and, in fact, central banks across the world now think that the base, the equilibrium interest rate is what they call it, which is basically the natural interest rate in, in the economy, has fallen from what it used to be. We always used to think of the interest rate as being about five and a half percent. It's now. Potentially in the UK, going to be about one and a half percent, and as a result, you're never going to see the increase in in bond yields um, back to where they were before. Which means that these deficits are st- are structurally there to stay. Which means the only way to fill these deficits is companies sticking more of their profits into into these sch- into these pension schemes. Which, which either means that they have to take less profits on an annual basis or it means that they're going, to be, uh, they're going to be filling these black holes for 20, 30 years. If the Bank of England and other central banks are right about the dynamics, the long-term dynamics of growth in the advanced world and, and this natural rate of interest in, in the advanced world, it's, it's got huge implications for corporates. So, I mean, Frankfield is absolutely right. In that respect.
4: For sure. and and fact frankfield has has already in the letters page of The Times, suggested that part of this you know wide-ranging inquiry could result in some sort of restriction on the payment of dividends um if there are companies um, which have huge deficits, so giving some sort of power to the pension trustees to either limit or cap dividends that can be paid out, I mean, that would be a massive structural shift for how uh, companies There is a point here, isn't there?
1: We're talking about people who are at or near retirement for a lot of these, but what about younger people who are, if you like, late 20s, early 30s, perhaps what the people that Martin was referring to about stepping onto the housing ladder, getting married, having children... Or whatever. So, aren't there two problems to be addressed, Deirdre? You first, isn't there, first of all, what do you do about the existing people you've got to try and meet the the needs of, or what you before said were were promises? And then the younger generation, I mean, how do you deal with that? These are two very distinct problems, aren't they?
4: Absolutely. And I think with the the younger generation, it's more often the concern is that they don't even, they're not even investing into a pension scheme like you have. You know, people who haven't have opened, you know, are not investing into pensions over the age of 30, but I think that's what auto enrolment was designed to uh, try and counteract. But I do think the major problem is the older people who, because with rising longevity and low interest rates, it's making it harder and harder, and particularly for people on final salary pension schemes. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who are causing the real grief to a lot of pensions.
1: Do you see it like the sustainable margin? I mean, this is going to have a huge knock-on effect just
2: to the whole stock market um, anyway, isn't it, this debate? Oh, dear, 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 dear. I think I'll leave now. I'm so very unpopular indeed. A, a world in which the pension trustees decide on dividends is one I would find fascinating to observe and make my job much more interesting than it is at the moment. Uh, I suspect I won't see it. Speaking of someone who has probably more interest in pensions than anyone else in this room at the moment, given my advanced... Decrepitude and age. Um, this is all nonsense. This is all absolute tosh. There is one solution to this problem. Uh, do you, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the pensionable age of 65 was set by Bismarck in about 1885. I think it might just be past its sell-by date, personally. Given that, uh, lo- uh, as Deirdre said, long, people are living a, a lot longer than they were. the The solution is quite simple. You just work until you are 68 or 70. You live until you are like, 85, 90. You have a twenty-year retirement, and that is the end of the debate. And I'm so tired of this.
3: No, yeah, but wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah wait, I should. Wait I, a minute. Because the the problem is with the uh, it's with the final. It's only with the final salary schemes, and there's contractual. There's contracts with the staff that they basically will start to earn. At 65. I mean, you can't just suddenly change the contracts with the, the employment and pension contracts with the staff, and so they will be able to draw the, these pensions, which have to be which have to be paid for by the companies from the age of 65. Saying that they work till 70 just means that they'll make an income on top of their pension. Um, and you've got, and you and ultimately, if you're talking about people who are 20, 30 years younger working until they're 70 odd, that's not going to affect the final salary scheme deficit you know the problems we've got at the moment that'll help with the state pension that'll help and frankly no one under 30 or well, under 40 probably well, very few have a final salary pension scheme anyway so they bear the risk so it's not even it's not even an issue for for those people it is it is purely an issue of dealing with the with You know, baby boomer generation who get RPI indexed, um, guaranteed income based on their salary, which no one else gets. And that's causing huge problems for companies. And it's basically going to be funded by people, younger people, who will never, ever have a pension as generous as these people had and it's, it's an accident of fate because people didn't see this problem arising so it's nobody's fault but, um, fund, but fundamentally there is an, an, an inequality in the system, just built into the system there, which somebody has to deal with somehow and it's going to be ugly
1: Well, I can see this one's going to run and run and run. Thank you all very much. I
3: think that's just about it for now.
1: Lots to think about. But remember, you can keep up to date with uh, all these events and indeed all the breaking news and analysis online via your tablet or mobile and, of course, in the paper every day. If you are a Times subscriber, then don't forget to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you want a subscription, a special offer, £1, go to thetimes.co.uk. If you want to hear us weekly, don't forget you can subscribe through iTunes. Couldn't be easier. My thanks to Deirdre Hipwell, Philip Aldrich and Martin Waller. All of them youngsters, really, I promise you. They're on Twitter. They must be young. So do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.